This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, joined by Nick Horwat here. The Pittsburgh Penguins, although losing on Saturday, in my opinion at least, and we'll get into it of course, playing some very good hockey as of late. We'll talk about their game against the Colorado Avalanche as well as their road game against the Minnesota Wild. We're going to discuss the Jason Zucker injury, potentially get some live updates. I have no idea if they're supposed to practice today or not, but Horwat, as always, is quick on the trigger with Twitter and will keep us updated throughout the show. We'll talk a little bit about Dan Heinen and the fact that it's April. April Fool's Day is come and gone. I hate that holiday. And secondly, it is the last month of the NHL regular season. A little bit of a longer NHL regular season because of the supposed Olympic break, but we have until the end of April to watch regular season hockey for the Pittsburgh Penguins. We'll talk about all that and wrap it up with our weekly Pens poll. Horwat, when you looked at this weekend, I thought they had a better game against the Avs than they did against the Wild, and they lost against the Avs. What do you think? That, you know, that sounds totally about right. I think a lot of people were busted up over the fact that they couldn't finish the game against uh, Colorado. I mean, that is fair. It's a fair assessment. You were tied for a grand total of 40-some seconds, I think. <laughs> and that's not ideal. you got to take leads in games, sure. Uh, but at the same time, it's just... Uh, you're playing good hockey against the top team in the league right now, a team that, if all goes right, you could see in the Stanley Cup Final. And let's just tell it like it is. That'd be a fun seven-game series. I think we play them pretty well i mean we're going to be playing them again come tuesday tomorrow mm-hmm. right yep yeah so that'll be another measuring stick game i think i we were able to play them very well on their ice if we could play the same level on our own i don't see why we couldn't beat them uh without any hesitation on uh on tuesday but it'll come down to just playing the right style of game and just doing what you did on saturday Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just doing what you did on Saturday, but capitalizing and holding on to at least a tie. Am I right? Oh yeah, 100%. that's that was the biggest downfall of that game is the fact that we couldn't hold on to at least a tie game for more mm-hmm. than twenty seconds. Yeah, there was very little that they did wrong in that game against the Colorado Avalanche, and we talked about it on Thursday. I love the matchup between Colorado and Pittsburgh more than I love the matchup between certainly Edmonton and Pittsburgh, and honestly, most of the Eastern Conference versus the Penguins. These matchups are always fun. Crosby versus McKinnon, luckily he was in the game and it made for a much better game, but nonetheless, they were short. Gabe Landeskog still and Nazem Kadri did miss that game due to injury, but still, it was a great game, evenly matched. Although the Penguins never had a lead, they were always right there. Darcy Kemper, he, he's proven a lot of people wrong this season. He is very good for the Colorado Avalanche. Tristan Jari really well played really well as well, I guess is the what I was trying to say. But there were a couple negatives, and one of them was what you said there. I mean, a bad response after you tied the game. It was, what, less than a minute each time that you gave up that following goal? So you couldn't get any momentum off of a goal, and that's something that is going to hurt you in any game, let alone a game against the best team in the National Hockey League. 
Yeah, I'm going to try and pull up those times. I know the second one was like 20-something seconds. Yeah, right after um, the Matheson goal in the third. And the first one was 30 seconds. So yeah. So it didn't seconds. even add up to seconds. a minute. Yeah. Um, oh, 40 plus 20. It was just a little over a minute. I thought it was okay. like 20-20. Um, but still, it's that's just not ideal. And also, one penalty that whole game. One. Yeah. One. It, re- it reminded me a little bit of the Rangers-Penguins game on ABC a couple weeks ago. I just don't believe there wasn't more penalties that needed to be called. Listen, the officiating has been under fire recently. so hey, They're warming up for the playoffs. Oh, uh, yeah, the whistles are put away. Because <laughs> there were some blatant calls that I saw. Uh, oh, yeah. In the... The Minnesota game was bad. Yeah, in the Minnesota game where I said, all right, screw it, do whatever. The whistles are put away, clearly. And <laughs> as I'm thinking that, I think Malkin did something that was definitely a penalty. Yep. Um, Latang so, had a cross check, yeah. Yeah, and this is like we're not talking about the other team not getting called. We're not talking mm-hmm. about the other team not getting called. We're talking about the Penguins committing infractions. Yes, that are not getting. I have not noticed anything that the other teams have done. I've just noticed all the things that the. I mean, I've. I wasn't really able to see a lot of the Minnesota game. Yeah, I was about to say and the Kevin Fiala one, which we'll talk about when we talk about the Zucker injury, was egregious. But the Penguins did also score before Minnesota got it. I don't know if they were going to call a penalty or not. I don't think they were, but still. Still. Um, but that being said, there's just so much that can – so much in a game that can change if you just make the calls. But like mm-hmm. I said, we, I'm only talking about the infractions that the Penguins are committing and not getting called for because I'm looking at it as – you, regardless of, of if it's going to get called in the playoffs or not, mm-hmm. don't take that bet. Don't take that chance. Yeah. Because how much a power play can swing a game, especially in the playoffs, you got to be careful. I think we've seen how red missed Malkin and Latang can go. Yeah. It's bad. So we have to make sure that those guys are keeping calm and staying on staying cool under pressure because like I said, Latang, I'm shocked. How many where does Latang honestly stand in penalty minutes in the in the Penguins franchise? Because it should be a lot higher than it probably is. I don't know. I was just looking at his numbers for a story that I'm writing, and I'm pretty. I know he leads the Penguins franchise in games played among defensemen and in points among defensemen. I would imagine that also lends itself to to penalty minutes because it's not like he's been an angel at any point of his NHL career. Yeah, I think if I can find penalty minutes on this screen, I could let you know if he's in the top ten or yeah. not. While just, you're, we we know Malkin's going to get there. Yeah, Malkin's going to be the leader. But um, while you're looking that up, I do want to mention, to go along with what you said about don't leave it up to the referees, especially in the playoffs. I mean, that's exactly what my dad always used to tell me because I'd play high school football and I'd always get mad the next day and we'd talk about the games and I'd say, you know what? There was this call that made me mad, this call that made me mad. And there were times where I was like, this call changed the entire outcome of the game. And he'd always look at me and say, don't leave it up to the referees and you won't have to worry about a bad call. Like if you would have went out there and did your job... And the whole team would have went out there and done their job and took it out of the referee's hands, then you wouldn't have had to worry about it. He said, that's what you need to focus on. And that's exactly what the Penguins, as you were saying, need to do going forward. Don't leave it up to the referee to make that bad call. That'll cost you something. Yeah, absolutely. So Latang has 657 career penalty minutes, which is not in the top 10 for the Penguins. Um, really? Be, well, 10th is Brooks Orpik with 734. Oh, he'll. Ooh. Yeah, he's getting there. If he signs another contract, he will get there. Yeah, if he, but if you look at some of the numbers for Latang over the years, he has been, it's just been recently, he has been fairly okay at staying out of the box. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, 2012-13, granted, only 35 games played, but in 35 games, eight penalty minutes. That's really good. Yeah. Um, 16 and 37 games the next season. He used to be way better about this. I mean, we ignore the 101 in 2010-11, but... <laughs> um, no, I feel like he's def- it's just definitely been more recently, and maybe it's just that... Like, the numbers aren't staggeringly high in terms of penalty minutes for, for Latang, but maybe it's just the fact that they are always, always, always at the most inopportune times. And they're usually stupid penalties. It's usually, cr- like, during our power play where yeah. he's making it a four-on-four, or we're on a break, or we have the momentum. It's always dumb shit that is just noticed. Maybe or that's some- what it is. Or somebody just pisses him off and he punches him in the face. That's happened. That, that happens more often than not as well. Oh yeah, and you know, you know the other thing too is people always get on used to always get on Crosby for whining and complaining to the refs. Have, has anybody watched Chris Letang play hockey? Well, there's an entire psychology behind why people got on Crosby for that, and not anybody else in the National Hockey League. But um, right, we, but... we don't have the time nor the energy to get into that today. I do want to quickly touch on the Minnesota Wild game. I think that is a signature win for the Pittsburgh Penguins. You win four to three in overtime. Minnesota is tough. I mean, we saw in that game. They're not only just tough when it comes to skill, they are a tough team. They're built to win in the Western Conference. Nick Delorier was running around like a maniac. Their whole team is just big-bodied, physical play, and that's what it was. I saw a lot of people saying that they were dirty, and certainly the Kevin Fiala hit was dirty. It, w- it was a cheap shot. It was a cross-check to a guy going towards the boards that was not ready for it. But the rest of the play... A lot of them were hard hits. I didn't see very much in the way of intentionally being dirty from Minnesota. I think they just play such a physical style of game where you do see sometimes Matt Dumba took out somebody's legs with his stick. But I think that's just the way of style they play. I wouldn't necessarily call them dirty. But the rest of the game, I mean, two goals from Ricard Raquel. He continues to impress. And then Evgeny Malkin, even though he had been having one of his worst games of the season... Gets a, a really good, pivotal game-winning goal in overtime to pull him into a tie for first all-time in Penguins history with Yaramir Yager, Sidney Crosby close behind. He'll soon pass Yager as well. But as of right now, Malkin is tied for the game-winning goals king moniker in Penguins history. You're muted, bud. <laughs> I was muted. Sorry. I'm waiting on a lot of things to happen in this apartment. But that's yes. kind of cool, don't you think? That he's that he's tied with Yager? And it's not someone like Crosby. It's it's Malkin passing Yager. It's not someone like Crosby passing Lemieux. It's mm-hmm. it's the two underdogs of this franchise, if you will. Not underdogs, but you know what I'm saying. It's the they're, two. They're that, the two. They're the two Robins, not the Batmans. Yes, it's exactly it. It's the two sidekicks, and that's kind of dope. I think. Mm-hmm. I like that it's that sort of exchange, and not Crosby passing Lemieux, which is what it's been forever. Yeah. I can honestly see. Obviously. <laughs> We know Sidney Crosby is going to outlast Evgeny Malkin on this team, so Sidney Crosby's going to have that record. But one day it'll be him passing Evgeny Malkin. And at the very least, we're going to get to see them pass that back and forth for the tail end of their careers. But at the very least, they got a good win in that game. And like I said, that loss to the Abs, let's go back to that one. They played such a good game. And I love seeing this matchup. But not only was it the response after scoring goals, it was the missed opportunities. Evan Rodriguez has had two prime scoring chances not able to capitalize jake gensel who usually is one of the better finishers had a beautiful play he had he made a really good play to get that open net on the backhand darcy kemper was flailing there was no way he was going to make the save 
but it just rolls off the stick of Jake Gensel. Those are the type of plays that in a game like this, you have to convert on, and they just weren't able to do it on Sunday, Saturday, I guess it was. You're right. It, the Gensel one, sometimes, you know, stuff happens. The, the little roll happens, a little um, a little bounce here and there is, gonna, is bound to pop up. But the thing is with the Evan Rodriguez one is this has just been the recurring theme recently. I mean, really, it's... Remember when he was just automatic? Evan Rodriguez? Yeah. Yeah, for the first 30 games. Just automatic. He had the puck on his stick, and you see him enter the zone, and you would just immediately know it was going in. Yeah, now it seems like his controller dies every time he gets close. Yeah, it's straight to the chest. Shot straight to the chest. Mm. Sure, there's no such thing as a bad shot on goal, but, uh, I mean, you're not shooting for a rebound. You're not getting a shot on goal to, like, see what happens you're putting it straight into his chest and then a whistle's coming right after well the, the thing about that and i don't mean to cut you off but the thing about that is at least he got a shot off there's been right. times in this cold streak where he's had that opportunity or a two-on-one and there's not even a shot on goal i was very happy even though he didn't score even though he didn't really have a really high danger chance even though it was on a breakaway i was happy that he got a hard shot on net that to me was better than what we've seen from him for the majority of the past couple of months. But still, there needs to be another level. I get what you're saying. There does. And it's not so much that I'm being ultra hard on him about what Mm -hmm. he's been doing. He's been playing better than what... He's been playing with his confidence again, which is great. But it's got to, you know, convey something. It's got to reach the score sheet eventually. Because it just looks like he'll never score again. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're hoping, obviously, the Penguins are hoping as well, and we'll talk about him in the last segment of the show, I imagine. They're hoping that he gets better because they're a much better team when he is on his game. When he is, obviously, like he was at the beginning of the season, but even if he is 80% of what we saw in those first 33 games, the Penguins will be very happy with that type of performance. Now we have Penguins Avs. We love watching it. Rematch at PPG Paints Arena on Tuesday. We're not really going to preview it because we previewed Saturday's matchup. And if you watch Saturday, there's your preview for Tuesday. But the one thing that I want to leave this conversation with, the Penguins have played really well on national TV this season. They're 5-2-1. and one. Obviously, they lost to the Avs in regulation, but they played a very good game against the best team in the National Hockey League. They got creamed by Edmonton in December, and they lost a couple weeks ago at Buffalo. But other than that, they've had really good wins against really good teams. I think about... Their win against St. Louis on TNT. I think about that one to nothing victory against the Rangers. Now, if you're a superstitious person like I am, that's a good sign for the playoffs because if you get past the first round, everything is on national television. It seems like the Penguins perform better when the bright lights are on, which is always a good sign heading into the playoffs. Totally right. I like that. It's it's one of the minuscule things, but it's it's a it's an interesting little tidbit. Yeah, for most people that aren't as superstitious as I am, that means absolutely nothing, and they're just going to carry on with their days. But for me, I really like that. Not only that, Penguins have five more national television games in the final 12 games of the season, so they will be able to be in that spotlight a lot more throughout the rest of the month of April. Let's get into the Jason Zucker injury before we head to break. Zucker, of course, had only played in one game in the calendar year of 2022, up until that point, whenever he came in against the Minnesota Wild. Returning from core muscle surgery in the town that he built his NHL career in Minnesota, the first time that he returned to the state of Minnesota to play for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He goes out 
gets a secondary assist on the opening shift, giving him a three-game point streak. If you follow me on Twitter, I posted wow. this. He has a three-game point streak that is still alive because he is not he did not play on Saturday, and we don't know when he'll play next. But now his three-game point streak, the games in that streak are from December 19th of 2021, January 17th of 2022, where he scored two goals in that one island game against the Vegas Golden Knights, and then, of course, March 31st of 2022, which was last Thursday's game. So a three-game point streak for Zucker, but unfortunately, he did get injured in that game. Did you see the hit? I know you said you didn't get to watch much of that game, but did you see the hit where he was injured? Kind of, yes. I'm trying to remember it. I know I saw it. I'm just trying to uh, remember it, but I think... um. Definitely just an unfortunate play. I'm trying to remember exactly because I know a lot of people were looking for a penalty on it. Yeah, he was going in towards the boards to retrieve a puck in the defensive zone, and Fiala gave him a little cross check to the lower body, and he his legs just kind of split. And he was grabbing at his knee or his groin. I thought I saw a trainer on the Penguin staff say groin, but we don't know. As of right now, it's a lower body injury, and we still don't even know how long he's going to be out, the seriousness of it, if it's long term. We thought that we would get that on Saturday before the Penguins took on the Colorado Avalanche. But instead, this is what we got from head coach Mike Sullivan. Uh, I can't give you any more information at this point. He's still being evaluated by our medical staff. Um, he will not play today. We'll, we'll probably have more detailed information when we get back to Pittsburgh. Do you have a sense at all if it's a I, I don't have an answer for you right now. Um, like I said, he's continuing to be evaluated. We'll see when we get back to Pittsburgh and, and hopefully have more information. That is head coach Mike Sullivan talking about Jason Zucker's injury that he sustained. They still have not released any information on if it's longer term, if he's day-to-day, which is the best-case scenario at this point. Luckily, we did see a good sign on Instagram Sunday evening as Jason Zucker posted a picture of him in that game against the Wild. And the final end of the caption said, Hope to return to the lineup soon. Better than saying, hey, I'll be back better than ever. Better than saying, hey, when I come back, I'll be ready to go. He said, hope to return to the lineup soon. And I know this is minutia. I know this is digging a little too deep into an Instagram caption. But it seems like that is a good sign. And we'll have to wait till probably today if they practice. If not, tomorrow before the game to see if Jason Zucker is out longer term. Well, it's better than him saying... Because athletes will do this all the time with Instagram posts or Twitter posts. It's better than him saying, yeah, this is it for the season, boys. Sorry about that. I tried my hardest to return because of the season he wanted to have. Yeah. You have to remember that, too. He wanted to come in like a ball of fire and just rip this league apart. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he hasn't been able to do that, I think if his season was over, I think you would have seen something that said, I tried my best to get back in, just the injury luck was not on my side, and I have to hang it up for the year. Mm-hmm. But the fact, and so the fact that we didn't see that gives should give you a ton of hope that he'll be back. I'm not gonna say give a timetable, but no. definitely sooner rather than later, and he should be ready. I mean, right away when, whenever we saw Malkin give him the Viking helmet or whatever helmet it is this year, mm-hmm. uh, he wasn't looked like he was hobbled. I mean, the camera didn't pan down to his foot, you know. But he wasn't on crutches. Wasn't on crutches, that's for sure, and. Media people were saying he was walking around. Mm-hmm. So things don't seem totally bleak. It might just be maybe a couple games, maybe a couple weeks. Maybe it's shelved until the playoffs. 
it's all stuff we'll just have to wait and see, but it looks better than nothing. Yeah, at this point of the season, the Penguins, and we'll talk about the magic numbers for clinching a playoff spot, they have an eight-point advantage on the Capitals to knock them out of the top three in the Metro. So they have a good lead. They have a good team without him. They do need him, though, in my opinion. Minus, obviously, when you look at your forward lineup for the Pittsburgh Penguins, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Jake Gensel, Brian Rust. Nobody is questioning that is undoubtedly the top four most important forwards on this lineup. I would argue Jason Zucker is the fifth. I know people will say, oh, Ricard Raquel. People will say you need Jeff Carter. People will say Teddy Bluger. And I get that. But for the lineup allowances that Mike Sullivan has when Jason Zucker is healthy, it allows you to put Danton Heinen in the bottom six comfortably. It allows you to have Jeff Carter and Kasperi Kapanen both in the bottom six comfortably. And it allows you to make Evan Rodriguez expendable if he continues to not play well. Also, the fact is... His contract is beyond the season, which is a lot more than you can say for a lot of the people on this lineup. And you need to have him playing well. You need to have him looking good to bring a sense of a little bit of outlasting hope for the lineup moving forward. I understand Teddy Bluger. I understand you know, Kasperi Kapanen, Jeff Carter. Centers are very important. I get that. Minus Crosby Malkin, Gensel Rust. I think Jeff or Jason Zucker is right there at number five. As importance, not as best players. I can agree with it. I can agree with it because it does give you lineup stability. It does force hands on getting certain people out of a lineup, too. It's not mm-hmm. just making sure somebody's in. It is seeing if someone is be, is able to be taken out because we haven't had a fully healthy lineup yet. We've been watching, in, in every game this season, at least one minor leaguer in our lineup. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not minor leaguer, maybe I should say one replacement level player in our lineup, bare minimum, bar none. So with Zucker back in, you now are at least looking at Boyle as the man in, Rodriguez is there, Uh, and until McGinn comes back, we will have Zahorna. We saw Anthony Angelo play a game. Yeah. When did he get called up? He was called up, I think he was actually called up before the Minnesota game. I missed that. He was he was a healthy scratch, I think, at the Minnesota game. I might be wrong. It's been a it's been a, a long weekend since then, but I know he was called up prior. I, I think to the injury. It's wild. Missed that one because yeah, we've been playing with a replacement level player on the fourth line all season, at least mm-hmm. once or at least one. So putting him in the lineup knocks that out. So that you're stuck, not stuck with, but now you're working with a Boyle or a Rodriguez to figure out. It's much easier to fill out lineups whenever you have your starters coming back. Yeah, I I think he solidifies that top six. I I like seeing Raquel and Malkin. I think they've been really well together already. You saw what happened when Jeff Carter went up on that line. It kind of sunk that line a little bit on Saturday against the Avalanche. But it, it is gutting to see a guy like Jason Zucker who has struggled with this injury. He came back in January, played one game, then he goes out, has surgery, rehabs it, works his ass off, comes back in this emotional game, gets an assist, and then once again he's put on the shelf because of a dirty hit. You feel for him, you're gutted, and you just hope that he can return to the, to the team. If he can't return to the playoffs, that's that's quite all right with me. Game one of the playoffs, I need Jason Zucker there from the Pittsburgh Penguins. You do. You need that lineup stability. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to talk a little bit about Danton Heinen because he has been in Mike Sullivan's doghouse for the last couple of games, including last 
Tuesday when he played probably his worst game as a Pittsburgh Penguin against the New York Rangers. When we return, that and more here on the Tip of the Iceberg. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team to get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customer a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Nick Berlansky, that's Nick Horwat. We're breaking down Pittsburgh Penguins talk because, well, that's what we freaking do. So here we go. Danton Heinen has been bumped down in the lineup and has played the least amount of minutes as any other Pittsburgh Penguin in the past two games. We talked in the first segment about how well they played against the Wild, how well they played against the Avalanche. Danton Heinen made zero impact in either of those games. It all really started last Tuesday against the New York Rangers, where Danton Heinen had probably his worst game as a Pittsburgh Penguin. He looked a little bit lost out there. Passes were coming into his skates. He didn't know where it was. He would do 360s looking for it, even though it was in between his legs. He would be back to the play a lot of the time. Not great offensive support. It was a poor performance. And understandably, Mike Sullivan wanted to teach him a lesson with that. But at this point, dropping him the whole way to the fourth line, four minutes and 58 seconds of ice time against the Minnesota Wild in a game where they were already down a forward. So Mike Sullivan elected to only deploy 10 forwards and mix the lines up, then use Danton Heinen, who's on the bench while he already has a guy injured. Then Saturday comes, gets more ice time, but not very much. Six minutes and four seconds, another team low, and you wonder... What is going on with Danton Heinen, Horwat? That's such an intriguing question because I, he hasn't been terrible all season. I mean, he started he off not. as one of our top, you know, top scorers, one of our better mm-hmm. players. I think we we're all surprised by it. I, I mean, looking at his numbers and his game logs over over the year, I mean, these are the lowest minutes he's played all season mm-hmm. by far. Well, not by far. There's a seven minute game in there, but like. It's so interesting seeing a four-minute, oh, well, five-minute basically, in a six-minute game in the last two important games, no less. I The only answer I can come up with as I look at his game logs is just he's lost his consistency. Mm-hmm. He goes, you know, the first few games of the season, we see a lot of you know point scoring, point collecting, and then a ton of games off. No 
no points, no goal, no no goals, no assists, and it's a minus in uh, most of those games. Then he picks up a goal here, a goal there, and then off again. Like this is the trend all season, and I think maybe that's the issue, is that he's just been inconsistent. I can't think of what else it would be. Mm-hmm. Genuinely, it's not like he's a terrible player unless he's dog shit on the ice, and I'm just missing that. Uh, my only answer is going to be just the fact that he's been inconsistent, especially as of recently. He's already much better this season than he ever was in the season and a half that he played with the Anaheim Ducks. He's starting to regain that form that we saw in Boston. But as of late, when I looked it up and I had my article from last week, and you can go check it out on my Twitter page, but he has scored three goals and seven points in his last 22 games. I didn't know that whenever I started to say, what's wrong with Dayton Heinen? last week. But when you see that, and then you think about the fact, okay, Heinen doesn't kill penalties. Heinen has been on and off the second power play unit for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He has a really good shot, but primarily he's a five on five guy who had the task and the opportunity to play on a line for a couple of those weeks with Evgeny Malkin. If you're not producing, and and we posted on Sunday what Evgeny Malkin has been able to do in 33 games this season, I believe he has 35 or 36 points. If you're not producing alongside that, that might be an issue. And then when you see the game that he played Tuesday, defensively irresponsible, offensively inept, that's why you see him going down in the lineup. But I do still think this is a very good player. This is a very important piece to this lineup. And you need Danton Heinen to be a productive third liner, not a fourth liner. You need him to be a productive third liner for this team to be all systems go. So you're hoping that this is just Mike Sullivan teaching him a lesson, and trying to get him back on the right track. Kind of doing what he did with Kasperi Kapanen, right? Exactly. It's so weird, though, just because Kapanen took his benchings and nothing came of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that, that's that's very true, but we're also seeing Kasperi Kapanen. Let's not forget, we talked about Evan Rodriguez's breakaway on Saturday. It's because of Kasperi Kapanen's play in the defensive zone. I think Kapanen, he's, it's not full circle, but he's shown progression. You're right, you're right. It's... But the thing that that scares me, and I'll, I'm sorry for cutting you off again. The thing that scares me is not only did he do it on Thursday, not only did he do it while they were already short a man on the forward core, he did it in back-to-back games, which makes me think that this is a lesson that Danton Heinen really has to pick up quickly because Mike Sullivan isn't messing around with him. Yeah, must be. Must be. I, I just, it's confusing because he was a guy that at the beginning of the season and pretty far into it we were looking at as a guy that could play anywhere mm-hmm. Dan Heinen so it's confusing if it is just a little benching to you know kick him into gear I'm fine with it I'm trying to look this up really quickly but I believe he is still on pace he is his career high in goals is 16 from the 2017-18 season he has 14 this year he's not going to get to his career high in points he's 20 behind that mark from that same season but he's going to have his career high in goals if he scores three more in the month of april which i tend to believe that he will i think he'll come out of this slump and i think once he gets more ice time he's probably going to score at least those three but at the same exact time you wonder how much mike sullivan likes this player you don't want to get too deep into that but the fact that he was not only benched where there was an injury, but benched in the game after that, and really, he played a total of 11 minutes of ice time in the last two games. And the Penguins have been fine. Perfectly fine. That He was on a line with who? Brian Boyle and Anthony Angelo last game? It makes it very interesting. 100%. So, we'll keep an eye on that, of course. 
But I think the Penguins, similar to how they need Zucker, not as important, but you need guys like Heinen to play better because in my opinion, and we'll get to it, Evan Rodriguez should not be in this lineup come game one of the postseason. But we do have one month, I should say a month and a day, May 5th is the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Penguins have 12 games remaining this season. They've played really well since the turn of the calendar. January was their best month of the season with a 10-3-2 record. February, they dipped a little bit, but still 6-3-1 in their 10 games in February. And then in March, going up against a gauntlet of great opponents with an overall points percentage of over 600, they won 8-4-2. So they still have some really tough games. They've been playing well this year since the calendar flipped to 2022. Horwat, what do they need to do in these last 12 games for you, for them to be ready for the playoffs? You know what? Yeah, they're playing very well against these good teams, but they're not winning against these good teams. You want to see them pick up these wins. I, not that long ago, I saw a tweet from uh, Colin Dunlap who was talking about it. Actually, I just found it. That was easy. Um, <laughs> I just thought I'd have to that, type it in, but it that never right happens. Up. No. Anytime just, you need, to, anytime you need to find something, it's never there. Thankfully, someone had just quote tweeted it, made it first thing on my timeline. But anyway, um, he said that they've been playing great recently. Right? They have been. But he listed off like their last one, two, three, four however many games and it's there there's a couple of like there's an overtime loss in there there's some losses mm-hmm. sure that and he said sure they've been playing well but it's okay to ask for a couple of wins against these against these top teams which i totally agree because yeah you know who you're playing in the playoffs these top teams mm-hmm. we can't fall back on we played well against a good team but lost for that much longer we can't because you know what you we played well against a good team, but we lost. In the playoffs means, well, you're now behind in the series. Yeah. Or you're now tied in the series, or whatever it may be. Yeah. Or you now lost the series. You can't play well but lose in the playoffs. You have to play well and win. And I just want to ensure, like I, like I have been saying, the end of the season for a lot of the Eastern Conference is going to be a lot of experiments because mm-hmm. all eight teams are pretty much decided. Yeah. But that doesn't mean take the foot off the pedal. Mm-hmm. It means experiment, but try your damnedest to still win games and still look like you can be a hard, tough opponent in the postseason. Because if you're coasting in, and I don't know who we're—I mean, we still don't know who we're going to play yet. It could be anyone still. I mean, we—if we're not beating these good teams, we're going to fall to a wild card. Let's just tell it like it is. Potentially, yeah. We do have an eight-point buffer right now. Or the Penguins yeah. do. I don't know why I'm saying we. But yeah. Anything can happen, though. Mm-hmm. So we have to play against these good teams and win just so we can be confident going into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You say, hey, I don't know how much longer you can say, oh, you played well, but you lost. You can do that for the next 12 games, in my opinion. You can play well, but lose the next 12 games. But once that happens, and all of a sudden there's a Stanley Cup playoffs logo in the middle of the ice, that's when that shit needs to stop. I'm perfect. If they go out here and they perform, but they fall a little bit short because they're getting outplayed by a better team, and that is the Colorado Avalanche is a better team, then okay, that happens. But I also don't like the narrative that this team can't perform against the top teams in the league and they can't win games against the top team in the league. That's the narrative. When you look back at just last month, they blew the doors off the Tampa Bay Lightning 5-1. to 
They beat Vegas, who, yes, they're not... I mean, right now they're squeaked into a playoff spot. That's still a pretty good team, a winning team. You beat the St. Louis Blues twice this season. Important wins. And where's the other one I wanted to mention? They beat Minnesota, which I think not a lot, enough people are giving them credit for. And then they also beat Carolina last month. That's five really good teams and five really good wins that they have. I understand that lately, when you're going up against the Rangers, when you went up against the Avalanche, you didn't get the job done. When you went up against the Predators, you didn't either. But when you're playing all of these teams in succession, yet you still have a winning record, that's when the narrative is just being brought up by the underclass of Penguins Twitter, the underclass of Penguins Media, because they can win these games against really good teams. They just don't do it all the time. And the amount of times they've played them in the past month has been absorbent at this point. Right, and you're, I totally agree with you still. I'm not totally against the idea of playing well against good teams and you're because we are still pulling off victories mm-hmm. i think um everyone saw also the josh yoey tweet from yesterday which made its rounds as well yeah I, that's everybody just... quote everybody quote tweeted that with a paragraph including exactly. me i'm not i'm i'm not away from that i'm a part of that right i mean they are on pace for 108 points which is tremendous it's great i'm not saying i'm not out here saying the penguins are having a bad season either oh i know I'm you're just not. I am just <laughs> agreeing with Colin Dunlap's point of it's okay to ask for some wins against good teams because come May, a loss against a good team, but you played well, is a tough loss. It is a tougher loss than what we're playing with now. Um, I'm trying to read through the Yoey tweet. There's any other points here. Everyone has seen it. And sure, the injury thing, we're, we're totally not having this whole discussion, not even talking about how we haven't had a fully healthy lineup in the entire season. Mm-hmm. Not once, so it's it's a uh, it's an enigma of a season. It is. It it really is. And to your point, and and to what you've been saying, I do agree that it is okay to want more, but to be at the expense and to be disgusted when you don't get more—that's privilege, and that's what we've seen from a lot of Penguins fans. Not to say that I listen. This this fan base is one of the best fan bases in the National Hockey League. Shit, in all major sports, it is one of the best fan bases. There's a level of entitlement with some of it. And that's where all of this is coming from. It is okay to want more. You know what? I want you, as a Penguins fan, to want more. I want you to want Stanley Cups because that is the standard. But if they don't achieve that, if you look at Saturday's game, do you want the win? Yes. You want to beat... Colorado because they're the best team in the league they're the best home team in the league and you're playing at ball arena you want that win but when you don't get it that doesn't mean well this team can't get the job done you know what that means they fell a little short there's some things they need to fix but they are a damn good hockey team and they played a damn good hockey game on Saturday right and I, and I agree with you there I do agree with you there that it is a lot of I already forgot the word you mentioned, but it is the this fan base has been spoiled over the years, and it is a lot of uh, a little entitlement is what I was saying. Entitlement, it is. You're absolutely right, and I totally agree. It is. We've been spoiled over the years. Now, when we don't win, it's upsetting. So it now could it be just that the fan base has just grown a little sour because of the playoffs the last three years? That's very possible, and that's a fair point. It is because we've seen this team fifteen straight years in the postseason. That's record setting. For it's currently the longest playoff streak in all of the major, major sports. sports. That is absolutely tremendous and something we can all hang our hats on. 
In those 15 years, though, sure, you've pulled out uh, three Stanley Cups. How many, though, of those years? That includes our knockout early in the bubble. That includes the last two the two seasons surrounding it. Quite a few of those 15 years have been, and I'm not trying to compare our first year of this streak in losing in the first round, but we've we've seen a couple of first round losses too, mm-hmm. and with three of them coming in three years, you I you start to get the sense of uh, we understand we have a good team. We do. We get it. We are. We have two of the greatest players to ever play the game. Tristan Jari is on a new level, and we have, or at least we had over the years, a phenomenal depth that carried that helped carry us. Mm-hmm. You know what it isn't doing though. It's pro- it's not producing playoff victories. We, we're just a great regular season team. All of the Washington Capitals for the last how many years? <laughs> yeah, it's got to translate into something a little more than regular season victories, and I think that's where the fan base can start to get a little sour. I mean. We're not selling out games anymore. Ben Roethlisberger night, the tickets were $20. Yeah, I think part of that might also be the financial structure of the, the country, but I don't think this is not the podcast not, to talk about that. Right, and I'm not totally disagreeing there, but you're seeing that there used to be a waiting list as long as the Magna Carta for, mm-hmm. for season tickets, right? And now it's we can't sell out games. And I'm not saying we can't. There's so much going on in the world that is probably stopping people from going to a Tuesday, <coughs> excuse me, to a Tuesday night hockey game. I yeah. get it. But it's it, that was one thing. That was the other, another thing we were always able to hang our hat on as Penguins fans. Just no matter what, that game sold out. Yeah. There's a lot, cha- lot changing in the world. I just feel like, and it maybe it is sort of old radio head speak, but. Um, Losing in the playoffs is also part of the factor into this fan base growing a little sour of the team. Mm-hmm. Fifteen straight playoff appearances, three Stanley Cups. That's a conversion rate of twenty percent. I'll take that. Re- any, I'll take that any day of the week. And that's really good. I'm not out here. I'm just seeing both sides of this coin. Mm-hmm. That's definitely what I'm doing. The sad thing is, I had to use a calculator to figure that out. <laughs> I almost said fifteen percent. So you're not. So at least you. At least I didn't say it out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, So the Pittsburgh Penguins, of course, trying to clinch their 16th straight playoff berth. Magic numbers, of course, there's two teams that are right there, but Columbus is quickly fading into the background. The magic number to take out and eliminate mathematically the Columbus Blue Jackets from catching the Penguins is three, and the Penguins will play the Blue Jackets only one more time, and that's the final game of the season. A couple episodes ago, I said it was the Oilers. I forgot this Blue Jackets game was rescheduled, so the Penguins will close out their season against Columbus. At that point, you would certainly imagine they are mathematically eliminated. And the magic number, the one that's most important, is the New York Islanders. That is nine. But the Penguins play the Isles two more times here in the month of April, which are both four-point swings. So if you're going to win only three of your last 12 games, make two of them against the Islanders, and you can quickly dispatch of them easily. Sure. But again, like, like you mentioned... In the next oh, 12 games? If you if you only win three of the next 12, this is going to be an interesting, interesting lead-up oh, to the postseason. Oh, but yeah, if they only win three of the last 12, then let me tell you how everyone who said this team sucks has a point. That being said, yeah. also, because you had mentioned... And that ha- that would have to be reg- nine regulation losses in that. Yep. Too. Yep. So. Eh, I'm not even going to go any further on it. We're yeah. fine. We are fine. There's a lot... Yeah. Twitter is just a hellscape sometimes. There's a lot of opinions being pointed out. I'm seeing all of them. I have mm-hmm. thoughts on all of them because I vague, vaguely agree with almost all of them as well. 
mm-hmm. because sure it's it's a spoiled fan base who's seen a lot sure you want to see this team win like i said i can't call them contenders until they went around mm-hmm. so seeing all sides of the coin is probably the best way to look at it everybody on twitter hear people out have discussion don't, don't tear each other down mm-hmm. and if World the thing peace, was- peace and love all that stuff <laughs> all right john lennon uh we're gonna <laughs> take a quick break when we return we're gonna finish this off with our weekly pens poll bring it right back here to the tip of the iceberg hockey fights lifestyle and tales from a first round draft bust we have it all and more on the hockey podcast network your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the nhl The Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and even better opportunities. For what I've realized that going into break in this entire show, I've tossed like we're on a radio show, like come on back here, like like people will tune out and then tune back in because they don't want to listen to the commercials. Our commercial breaks are literally 20 seconds on the, on the podcast. Hey, man, I skip through podcast ads all the time. I mean, don't do it because you hear really great offers from DraftKings. But uh, at the same time, I understand it. if you do, everybody does it. But Just, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about our weekly pens poll at full health, which, let's be honest, it's a fantasy. That, that's fantasy land right there, the Pittsburgh Penguins at full health. But the question we asked was, at full health, who is the Pittsburgh Penguins 13th forward? The number one guy out, the healthy scratch, wearing the suit, but ready to go at a moment's notice. Who is that guy when the Penguins don't have anybody on the injury report except for Nathan Beaulieu because he's going to be plastered there? Brian Boyle won this poll at 43%. Redeem the Dreams of Horna, Big Zed, had 30%. Kasperi Kapanen actually got 21% of the vote here. And other was 6%, specifically Ali on Twitter, who is a really good listener who has been listening to us for a very long time, she tunes into all of our stuff, says if Sid and Zucker can play together, then uh, Erod would be the 13th, in her opinion. I agree with her, but I don't really, I don't need Zucker to play there. I just need Zucker to play, and then Erod can be the scratch. Evan Rodriguez is the correct answer, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, The one that we both like. I'm sure both of us clicked other on that. Oh, yeah. I mean, looking at the options, Kasperi Kapanen... for all intents and purposes, was getting hot at the right time. Don't know what's going on. We'll just wait a couple games and see what happens. Mm-hmm. He's getting lukewarm. Yes. Brian Boyle, though, we do, we really just don't want to take him out of the lineup, man. And I, I figure Zahorn is going to be like the 14th at this point. He'll be up probably 14th, maybe 15th, depending. Like I, I Again, I can't think of who all is ahead of him that's on this list. I mean, everybody's ahead of him on this list, but I don't like Angelo's not ahead of him. Bjorkfist isn't ahead of him. Pustin is not ahead of him. O'Connor's not ahead of him. And those are the only other guys that have played in, for this team. Yeah. I, I think he falls kind of to the bottom of the three that you had mentioned in the fourth that we had mentioned. So mm-hmm. not, and that hurts for him, but at the same time, he's not, he's still at replacement level, has the ability to go higher, but at this very moment, we're talking about 
Brian Boyle, as of this moment, is an NHL player. Kasperi Kapanen, NHL player. Evan Rodriguez, not the greatest, but he is at least an NHL player. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so that's where I stand with that. I say Evan Rodriguez is probably thirteenth man because as long as he's playing with confidence, he's not a terrible hockey player. We have seen him do things. Mm-hmm. Like I said, do you remember when he was just automatic? Yeah, and now that's gone. Maybe that maybe that switch gets flipped in the playoffs. But maybe someone needs to get hurt in the playoffs for him to get in there. Because I kind of don't want to see him in come puck drop of game one. I don't. Yeah. Sorry. Or if you're going to have him in there, which, again, I don't really like this. Give him the Danton Heinen treatment. Give him four minutes of ice time. But at the same time, you're, you're handcuffing yourself if you're only playing somebody four minutes. Yeah. We don't have Ryan Reeves on our team. We don't have the big brute that that makes sense for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Brian Boyle... I think Brian Boyle's the second, my second option, though, with this, just because we've seen him play so long that he's almost already played more than any of us were expecting. Yeah, and he's played better than any of us really expected. I don't. I think some people expected him to play well, but not 10 goals on the season, playing, what, 60 games this year. Nobody saw that. Not at all. So, so if he does get the healthy scratch, I don't think I'd be totally upset about it. But it would make a ton of sense. Also, speaking of Evan Rodriguez, I just remembered this. It just popped back into my head. Did you see the Jay Fresh card of the bottom 10 in whatever? Wins above uh, replacement? Yeah. Like I said, remember when he was automatic? He's in the bottom 10 of the league Mm -hmm. in whatever stat it was that he was on. It's game over for him, in my opinion. Yeah. I really think if this team can have him expendable, he should be expendable and he should be the 13th guy out. I would definitely play as of right now. If I were Mike Sullivan, which I'm not, unfortunately, I would play him below Brian Boyle, definitely below Danton Heinen. Definitely. Honestly, he would be, he would be below Kasperi Kaplan, but he would be pretty even with the redeems Zahorna at this point, especially for the style of playoff hockey and what it can be like. Zahorna for a big guy, has some pretty decent foot speed. Now, I know Rodriguez is faster, but I like Zahorn and the way he plays in the, in the puck support that he has in the offensive zone a little bit more than I've seen from Rodriguez, at least as of late. And here's a quick stat on Erod. He had that hat trick, his only career hat trick, against the San Jose Sharks on a Sunday afternoon game on January 2nd. Since then, he has scored four goals. Since January 2nd, he has scored four goals. And guess what? Two of them were the next, the following two games. So since the 6th of January, he has scored two goals. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. Like, I pulled I pulled this out of, it was uh, expected goals, by the way. Okay. For all situations. Goals above expected. Out of 980, which is Brandon Gallagher at 10.2, because my God, is he, yeah. Uh, he's 974. So he's in the, Bottom 10 of the league with a minus 6.8. Yeah, that's... The only people below him... Yeah, go ahead. ...are Jonas Donskoy, Jordan Stahl, Alexander Radulov, Jesse Pugliarvi, Trevor Moore, and Brandon Gallagher. There's actually some players in there that are difference makers on their team. Like, Jordan Stahl's a captain, and I know he's not a difference maker, but Trevor Moore has been pretty good for the, the Kings. So that's why analytics are so interesting. You can... It's this doesn't mean they're bad players, but just, when you see Evan Rodriguez's name on this list this low, 
you also realize that he's straight up not scoring when he used to score automatically and then you see him play otherwise. Sometimes you look at these names and you go, yep, that's not good. That is not good that they're down there because you take their whole game into consideration. And Evan Rodriguez is one of those players on this list. You take their entire game into consideration and say, yep, that's not good. That's enough of that. You can't just look at analytics and and make judgments. You have to take their actual hard numbers in as well. Well, what you have to do with analytics is use it to form your opinions and not let it be your opinion. Exactly. You have to look at both sides. Again, like I said, both sides of the coin. Look at the hard numbers, which is, like you said, two goals since January 6th. Two goals in three months. And two goals in three months, and then look at the analytical numbers. Yep. Because neither of them are good, and that is why you get green jackets in this league. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, He is the 14th forward, in my opinion, then. Yeah. Down low. That is below people. Speaking so, of Green Jackets, big shouts to the Masters this week's this week. Yes, that's coming up. And also, I I, I know your bracket was busted back honestly like in January. But uh, who do you think wins tonight, Kansas or UNC? Uh, Kansas, just in, in yeah, eights, baby. An eight seed winning. I mean, it's that's the lowest seed that has ever won a won a NCAA championship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I just don't see it happening again yet. So. Listen, I am currently sitting, and the lowest I can finish in my bracket challenge, which has 69 people in it. Nice! The lowest I can finish and where I'm currently at is in second. So I'm in the money. I will be making money no matter what on this tournament. But if Kansas wins, that's all that needs to happen. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Ochai baby. David McCormick. Let's get the win. Get me way more money. And let me finish in, in numero uno, first place. So I'm rocking with Rock Chalk Jayhawk, rooting for Kansas. We're on the same side. Listen, UNC, thank you for eliminating the Duke Blue Devils. Thank you for ending Coach K's career, both with a loss in his final home game to UNC and a loss in the final four, the only time they've ever played against each other in the tournament. They lost to UNC. I appreciate that. That was your national championship. That's what you can hang your hat on. Hubert Davis has a job for life in UNC now because this is his first season as coach there. But unfortunately, the road is over for you. Rock Chalk Jayhawk, that's where we're going to finish it off here. Pittsburgh Penguins taking on the Colorado Avalanche tomorrow. Let's get multiple, multiple wins, and we will be back with you on Thursday for that episode of Tip of the Iceberg. Maybe I'll be shouting out Rock Chalk Jayhawk for winning me some big money tonight. Or maybe I'll be calling them out because they screwed me over, even though they're clearly the better team tonight. But nonetheless, I hope everybody's enjoyed their March Madness. Get ready for Masters this week. Tiger Woods said he is a game-time decision to play, so somebody certainly has been talking to head coach Mike Sullivan. But that is going to do it for this episode. I've already extended it too much. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Have a great week, Penguins fans. You can follow us on Twitter at Nick Horwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.